No rock stars, roadies, or groupies were harmed in the making of this broadcast. On the Rocks with Jamie Wilson is brought to you by Offshore Music. Go where the sound takes you. Giving it to you straight and no chaser. This is On the Rocks with Jamie Wilson. On the Rocks with Jamie Wilson is brought to you by Offshore Music. Go where the sound takes you. Hey, 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 what's up? Welcome to On the Rocks. I'm Jamie Wilson. Tonight we're celebrating one year, one year of On the Rocks, one year of broadcasting interviews. But tonight, hey, I'm going to be interviewing you guys, or rather you might be interviewing me if you post questions on the feed. We've had 44 episodes. We started out with June Lupito. We ended last week with sound engineers, man. So it's been quite uh, a hell of a ride talking to amazing, amazing artists, personalities, people, vinyl aficionados, um, sound engineers. And it's going to be um, quite exciting tonight because I can't wait to hear from you guys. It's an Ask Me Anything show. So if you guys post your questions on the feed, I'm going to make sure to flash those questions, not flash you, flash those questions. And I'm going to do my best to answer them. Now, if you ask me, of course, a math question, be prepared to be disappointed because I suck at math. But, okay, before we get into uh, the whole um, sequence of the show, just a few uh, announcements from Offshore Music. Offshore artist Anna Mori is launching a campaign where an artist can take over her Spotify Canva for a week and get exciting surprise merchandise to showcase their talent. She's looking for a makeup artist that can create an original, unique look inspired by her latest single, Oh Bleeding Hearts. Now, for details, check out the Offshore Instagram bio or even Anna Mori's Instagram bio. It's going to be quite interesting. If you think you've got the skills, make sure to join. And, of course, we'd like to thank our friends from Buenos Dias, Panaderia. Thank you so much for always sending me happiness. All oh, those espresso buns and those Milo buns are just unbelievable. And thank you to Misty Mountain Cafe, to my friend Nino Mendoza, who is still in the U.S., and he's watching concerts and doing gigs. Ah, nakakainggit. But thank you so much for supporting us with your premium blend coffee. And, of course, liquor.ph. Now, if you guys remember last month, I had the newest Spayburn, 10 years as the brand was relaunched in the Philippines. It's sweet sherry single malt goodness. Mmm, still lingers in my mind, in my mouth, in my belly. So liquor.ph has found an unexpected prize in the back of their warehouse. Can you imagine these guys? It's like finding like treasure that you totally forgot about. And it's the older version of the Spayburn 10 years, man. I can't believe you guys had this lying around in the back of your warehouse. The tax stamp is from 2010. This is not available anywhere else in the world, but you can get it from liquor.ph. Get the older Spayburn 10 for... 2,000 pesos, or you can pair it with a newer version at only 3,799 pesos. It's a great deal only from liquor.ph. So tonight, tonight's going to be interesting because I'm going to be flying solo tonight. Um, just to guys, just, just to let you know, we're going to be taking a break for the month of October because we are currently um, in the middle of brainstorming for a creative and technical upgrade for the show and we want to take the whole month of October to um, you know exactly figure out what's what line up our guests so it's going to be a more interesting show and basically you know try to upgrade um, the show now what you guys don't know is that 
just to give you some behind the scenes of On the Rocks, is that I usually write a sequence down for our guests, you know, with um, with uh, basically a sequence guide of the show that, that starts out with the hello, how are you? And then the topics and then taking questions and then the rundown and then the last call. If you're familiar with the show at all, that's what we do. But let me tell you, you know, my sequence has never been followed in 44 episodes. We have never successfully followed my sequence simply because this, the conversations take a life of its own. And I always use this as, a, as an example. If you guys remember the episode um, where I interviewed our national artist for music, Ryan Kayabyab, where I asked him, so Mr. C, how are you doing during this pandemic? And his answer took 45 minutes. Oh my God. I'm like, fuck, I have to remove entire chunks of topics, not just questions, not just single questions, but entire chunks of topics. Because basically what we do is that we let the guests talk and we take it from there. And if I have to rein them in somehow, then we go back. I mean, another episode where um, my sequence was just thrown out the window was, if you, if you caught it, was the Parochia and Edgar episode where I couldn't even get a word in, man. And I totally expected that. But of course, you still have to do your research. You still have to do your due diligence. You still have to have some sort of guide. And that, that's one episode where it was just thrown out the window. So we're going to try and stick to the actual um, sequence guide tonight as we, uh, we do this show. So uh, before we uh, take on, hey, thank you so much, um, John John Pineda. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you for your congrats. Good evening. Alec Polito shouting out to you. Happy first anniversary. Yeah, man. One year. Ellie. Thank you, Ellie. Thank you. Thank you for throwing the party, Ellie. Darius Pare. Kamusta? So, uh, yeah. Happy, happy first anniversary. That's one year. Sheila Reyes, thank you so much. Happy anniversary to On the Locks from Lana. Lana Lopez, thank you. Henryson, Agustin, Arbin Jornacion, Erwin, Magic Daniel. Wow, dude, your name's Magic. That's fucking, that's fucking awesome. Okay, guys, thank you for the greetings. But remember, ask me questions, man. And it's an ask me anything. Anything. But like I said, if you ask me a math question, then good luck to all of us, right? Meg, hey, Meg. Hey, thank you so much. Thank you so much for the greeting. Make sure to line up your questions, all right? Okay, Russell, Russell, WP, thank you. Oh, Ellie, drinks are on that spot. Yeah, cheers. Cheers. Here we go, man. So, um, okay, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna save that question, okay? Um, from Ellie, but we're gonna we're gonna go down um and run down our sequence and see if we can actually follow it. You know, until uh, we get more questions on the feed. So we're going to start out with a segment I'd like to call, you know, the hello, hello segment. But it's really called the pandemic blues. Now, the beauty about this pandemic, um, a lot of things, a lot of things have gone on during since the pandemic started last year. And I'm really glad that we started this during the pandemic, mainly as a way to keep sane and to have fun. Uh, to reconnect with people, to connect with artists and musicians that we uh, have always wanted to ask these questions or interview or get to know their musical background or their musical influences, to ask questions that basically you never get a chance to ask them at the gig because we're so busy either drinking or smoking or getting ready for the gig or actually playing. So it was a wonderful exercise that has led us to one year of doing this um, almost every Wednesday. Of course, we haven't been able to run through every single um, Wednesday. 
but um it's uh it was a great it was a great um gift i think that keeps on giving and that happened during the pandemic and of course you know one year in more than one year into this pandemic and yes things have loosened up things have tightened up again and you know we've had a lot of ups and downs we've lost quite a few people and i know that you know times are hard but it's doing this it's doing this that really gives me a purpose a reason this among other things but this is my fun this is my fun day you know within the week i'm hard at work whether i'm you know doing a uh, a shoot as a safety officer or i'm in training for another certification and you know doing all these uh, all these um you know safety stuff which primarily has been taking up most of my time I always look forward to the Wednesdays because, hey, I get to hang out with artists, musicians, or vinyl heads, or sound engineers, or generally basically very interesting people. And I really enjoy it because this is the one day of the week I get to drink and I allow myself to drink. So cheers to that, guys. So during this pandemic, um, we're looking at at least the numbers are going down right now, which is uh, I'm very thankful for. And it's a good sign somehow. The number's going down, but I think it's far from over. So I, I seriously think that the way we have been doing business during this uh, pandemic period, I think is going to be giving birth to a lot of not just creative ways of, um, of expressing yourself, but also creative ways of doing business. So I think uh, this pandemic has shifted our mindsets about certain things that we have to watch out for. Um, me, primarily with shoots, when I go out to shoots, whether it be a music video or um, or a film or a serie, you know, what's very important is that we all test negative. And I can't tell you how many projects I've had that have had to pack up or been canceled or moved because one guy tested positive. And that's the hardest thing in the world because basically you move everybody. And everybody's time and the whole production's effort and expenses have to be, you know, basically canceled or postponed and moved to another date simply because one person, one person wasn't very um, detailed about their safety protocols and taking care of themselves. And of course, it's not their fault because the virus is everywhere. But if you if you took into consideration that these things are beyond you, if you're actually, you know, affecting hundreds of people involved in the shoot, then that's, you know. I think that would actually make you take care of yourself a little better. But, you know, this pandemic has yielded quite a lot of really great music. And that's the one thing that gives me hope, eternal hope. Because in the time of supreme difficulty where everything was shut down, musicians never stopped. A lot of our, a lot of our local musicians and international musicians, I think more albums were released most often, you know, within close within close proximity to each other last year and this year than in any other time pre-pandemic. So the creativity is something that you can't you can't kill, man. Like I said, like I've always said, rock and roll is gonna save the world. So that's definitely what's been going on. Now I want to share with you guys um what's going on with on the rocks. I mean, we've had a we've had a whole year of great moments, highlights, interviews. We started out with June Lupito. We followed up with Ellie Bundia. We had the Itchy Worms on, who still hold the record. I honestly think that um, they're the most uh, 
Makulet band still that have been on the show. Outshining Razorback and even Baraki ni Edgar because iba yung kakulitan ng Itchy Worms. Um, we've also had people like Lea Salonga. And as I mentioned earlier, Ryan Kayabuya, we've also had indie bands like Gin Rum and Truth. Fantastic guys. We've had a jazz band, Extrapolation. We've had, um, like just like last week, Sound Engineers. We came up with a vinyl night. And I've got to say, the vinyl night has also become one of my favorite nights because it, there's nothing like drooling at somebody else's collection. And that's always so much fun. But it's also so much fun to figure out how, how broad and how varied a person's musical taste is. It's just so amazing. And sometimes, sometimes I'm dumbfounded. Um, by uh, the tastes in music and some of the bands that have, are being mentioned whenever we do vinyl night, and um, we've learned we've learned how to roll with the blows. Um, there have been episodes where my guests have disappeared. There are some episodes where I have disappeared, and when I'm speaking about the learning curve, 44 episodes in, one year in, I still basically don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I'm just winging it, and I'm just having fun, and I'm enjoying myself. So pretty much that's our guiding light for this show. And so far, it hasn't disappointed. Every episode, I've had so much fun. Um, even if Ryan Kayabiab and Jose Marichan did make me cry on the show, but it was a good cry, you know? So it's things like that. So as I've said earlier, we're going to take a break this October because we're upgrading. So uh, we want to take that whole month of just brainstorming and making sure, you know, we... We do things that are exciting. When we were discussing our anniversary show, I had a whole bunch of ideas. You know, should we do a greatest hits? Should we do uh, we invite old guests so we can talk about um, the current situation or the creative industry bill and all that? And I said, you know what? Let's risk it. We've never done a show like this where it's just me. And I mainly want to hear from you guys. So it's like a shout-out night, a solo show where you guys get to ask me questions and maybe I get to ask you questions right back, you know, um, when, we flash your, when we flash your questions. So this is something that's exciting. Um, as I was telling uh, Miss Hemp Burns, who's backstage running the show, I'm scared, I was scared and excited for tonight because, hey, it's just me. I'm just one talking head tonight. But, hey, I'm glad that I've been, I'm seeing quite a few questions on the feed so uh, it's not just me talking to, you know, just air. So apparently we've got quite a few questions. So, okay, let's start out with the open bar. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's open bar. That's what we call the segment where we take questions from the audience. These, these are just things that you guys hardly ever see because this is on my sequence guide. So <laughs> this is, we never flash a sequence guide. So we always just keep it, you know, backstage. With us, and let's start out with um, okay, Ellie. Ellie Bundi has a question Who is my dream guest? You know what? You know, it pisses me off, man, that we came up with this show and we we didn't have Pepe Smith around. I would love, I would love to have Pepe on the show because my god, I've got a whole bunch of questions for that man, and you know, some of them are musical questions, some of them are personal questions. Some of them may be difficult questions to answer because, you know, his life has been such an open book on his notorious ways, you know, his, his uh, troubled past. Um, but I want, to, I want to know, like, how was it, you know, during the Olongapo gig, um, you know, circuit, 
you know, when you're when you're, these guys were playing three sets a night every single night, when it's Fleet Week and all the ships, the, all the U.S. ships come into Subic, you know, and all these sailors are there. What kind of atmosphere it was? How were the seventies like? You know, we've got we we've got glimpses of that from, you know, like like our guests from the jerks, like you know, Sila Chikoy, Pura, and of course Jun Lupito has told the stories about that. But my God, what a unique perspective we would have if we had Pepe on the show. And that's that would be my dream guest, really. I don't know how we're gonna manage that, but maybe uh maybe in some way, maybe we can gather uh friends of Pepe and uh people who were closest to him and knew him the best and maybe uh, get some stories about the man from um, from that episode. You know, log that in for a future episode, right? All right, for our next question, um, Alec, Alec Polito, what is your favorite role in my theater career? Oh, okay, certainly my most fun role was Dennis Dupree in Rock of Ages because I've always said that I've put, I put, a little rock and roll in my theater, and I put a little theater in my rock and roll. And in no other show than in Rock of Ages, which is basically built with glam rock songs of the era. You know, we had songs from Bon Jovi, Poison, Warrant, you know, um, David Lee Roth, Quiet Riot. It was a great, it was a great opportunity to actually be rock and roll in my theater. So wearing those bell-bottom pants and, you know, wearing the long hair and those circular John Lennon shades and acting all stoned, acting all stoned on stage, that was probably my most fun role. Um, if I can add another one, the role that I've played that was closest to my actual personality has to be Uncle Fester Adams in The Adams Family. I know, it's strange. But when you strip away everything about me, Jamie is a guy who likes playing with knives and explosives and singing love songs. And that's exactly what Uncle Fester was doing in that musical. So, yeah, those are, those are the two standout roles that I've had. There are many more. I've done over 100 plays. Um, I've got to say the, the hardest role that I've had to play, there are two that tie up for that. I once had to play a serial killer who um, abused and killed little children. Um, and that was a very, very difficult role to play because everything this guy stood for, I hated. And in a similar vein, when I played uh, Arturo Banlao in Ang Huling El Bimbo, the musical, and I had to be a narco, politician, trapo, evil dude, that was also very difficult for me to, to step into because there, are so many, there were so many real-world examples of this kind of person in our own local politics. So it is very difficult for me to do that. But of course, don't get me wrong. I love playing the contrabidas because you get to do shit on stage that you can't get away with in real life. And you get paid for it. And sometimes you get applause too. So that's a lot of fun. So thank you so much for that, Alec. Um, I'm sure I'm missing out on a lot of other theater roles, but those are the first things that come to mind. So thanks for that. Um, okay, Lennon, favorite Beatles song, All You Need Is Love. Can't go wrong with that song. All you need is love. And you can't go wrong with that simple statement, that, that sentiment. And of course, it's the ultimate like fucking sing-along song too, you know, because there's absolutely no effort 
to sing along to it because the sentiment of that lyric alone, all you need is love, is so very true. So whenever, whenever I feel down, whenever I have doubts, whenever the world and its darkness comes closing in on me, that's the song that comes to mind. Because if you look at the world through the lenses of love, then you can see the light at the end of the tunnel. You can see the goodness in people. You can see, you can catch a glimpse of hope, perhaps. And that's what the song gives me, which is very surprising. You know what? That's a great question for me. That's a difficult question for me because I'm not a Beatles guy. I'm a Doors and Rolling Stones guy. So forgive me if I didn't say anything more um, exotic or a B-side version. But if you ask me what my favorite Beatles song, that's the song. So thanks for that, Lennon. Hey, Manny, Adea, thank you so much. Yes, happy anniversary to us. Okay, Alec, how do you prepare yourself for a role? You know, Alec, I've been asked a question before, and it's quite interesting because there's no one way to prepare for a role. It really depends on the role. And that will define or determine how you prepare for that role. When I'm playing, let's go by my examples, okay? For example, uh, Dennis Dupree in Rock of Ages. How did I prepare for that role? I really felt like I didn't have to because it was so close to the era that I really enjoyed. That character uh, owned a bar, and this was set in the 80s, but he's from the 70s, and I love the 70s. So when I put on those, those uh, flared pants, it was like coming home. And all I had to do to prepare was the hardest thing I had to do was when I realized I was going to be wearing shades on stage. That was a technical thing that I had to get used to because, you know, kung black, pag blackout, tapos naka-shades ka pa, baka mahulog, malaglag ako from the stage, di ba? So that was a technical thing that I had to actually um, get used to. Well, that and my song number with Jet Pangan, who played Lonnie, um, that was hilarious. There were shows that the audience was screaming so loud when I can't fight this feeling started coming on. We were singing to each other, professing our love for each other. Me and Jet Pangan, imagine. If you haven't seen the show, that was the killer moment. Um, and the, the, there, there were shows where the, the audience was screaming so loud that we couldn't hear the band. And the band was on stage with us. And they were playing fairly loud. Huh? And the screams were so loud we couldn't hear the band. So that was just muscle memory. In terms of the uh, serial killer, for example, um, that was more difficult because I had to get in the mindset of a serial killer. I had to make sense of why he was doing that. So once I make sense of how or why, it's the most important thing is the why. Why this person would do something like that, uh, then I had to make it make sense to me. Even if I hated it, even if this person stands for everything that I am against, I have to accept the reasons why and make them my own to portray that character truthfully. Uncle Fester was supremely fun. Um, I basically had to gain a lot of weight, shave my head, and basically talk like this the whole time. I was talking like this for months, you know, because it was Uncle Fester. I was, <laughs> you know, doing the giggles and all that. And that was so much fun because, dude, you're playing Uncle Fester. So iconic. So you need to get him right. But at the same time, how do you give him your spin? That's the one thing I always look for in roles that I portray in theater. I can portray this person, um, you know, this character 
as truthfully as possible, but then I have to find a way on how to make him mine. If you compare it, for example, with musicians, right? If a band does a cover song and it's placado, then you might as well stay home and listen to the recording kasi kinocover lang nila placado. What's beautiful is when a band makes an existing song, a popular song, um, their own. With their own flavor, their own instrumentation, their own take on it. That's the one thing that I can compare and what I do in theater. I try to make the roles my own. With uh, By playing um, Arturo Banlao in, in Ang Huling El Bimbo, the musical, I had to get used to the fact that I was so reviled. People hated me in that show with good reason. That's how I was written and that's how I portrayed it, right? But to the point where after every show and I'd be leaving Resorts World, minumura ako ng mga audience. Puta ka na mo banlaw, kasalanan mo lahat. And I'm like, wow, hey. That means my acting was effective. But then eventually, after doing a hundred shows, at minumura ka pa rin paglabas mo, I eventually had to sort of, you know, steal myself for it or protect myself from it because like, Jamie, they're not making you mura, they're making your character mura. It's not you, it's him. So that was quite interesting. But preparations are different depending on the role that I need to play. And that will determine it. The one thing, the one surefire way, though, in terms of physicality, in how I prepare for a role, is I find the shoes. It's so shallow. I know, I'm such a shallow actor. I find the shoes that the character would walk in. And once you find the shoes that he would walk in, then you figure out his walk. And then you figure out by walking, you figure out how he breathes. And there's a certain rhythm when you breathe. When you figure out the walk and the breathing, then it affects the thought process. It generally contributes to how the character would act, react, and think. So if I find the right shoes, then that's about 90% of the job done. So shallow, no? But that's how it is. So thanks for that, Alec. All right, Kampai, yes, cheers. Whole lot of drinking going on tonight. Okay, so, ayan, next question. Ano ang pinaka-challenging? Wow. The most challenging in theater, my most challenging show, that would have been... I am thinking of either uh, my multiple roles. There's a there's a there's a play that I did called Stones in His Pocket with Michael Williams in uh, in Malate in the 90s. No, pinaka challenging kasi to dahil hindi siya musical, straight play to. Dalawa lang kami, pero tigwawalong character kami each. So I had to play eight characters within the play at iba-iba. Lalaki, babae, bata. Um, tapos ibang nationality pa. Irish, Scottish, tsaka American. So nagpapalit yung accent mo. At walang costume change. So iniisip mo na parang, oh, mas madali kasi hindi tayo quick change ng quick change ng costume, di ba? Pero mas mahirap kasi hindi kami nagpapalit ng damit. So yung tingin ko sa co-actor ko, si Michael, ganun pa rin yung suot. So sino ka? Tapos, sino ako? Sandali, pareho rin yung suot ko eh. So it was a very, very challenging play called Stones in His Pocket. You should read it actually. It's a fantastic play. 
because of the demands made on the actors. Two actors playing eight roles each. And there were some scenes, may mga eksena, na kausap ko yung sarili ko. Yung character, yung isang character ko, kausap niya, yung isang character ko rin. So, nung nabigay sa akin yung script na yun, siya sa putang na, paano ko ito gagawin? <laughs> but, it was so much fun. When we got, when we got it, there, that was really like, fantastic on uh, how, uh, how we, we performed it and all the, all the challenges that came with it were so, so very worth it. Kasi, nung nagawa namin yon hayop hayop pero ang hirap ang hirap gawin i mean just figuring out kasi how to how to do those eight characters um was insane but yes thank you Sheila thank you all right ellie do you think acting is an innate talent or can it be learned it can be learned it can be learned because basically acting it depends on what you're acting for Okay, um, film acting is very different from television acting is very different from theater acting. Okay, but those are the technicalities of it. Basically, these art forms like, you know, film, theater, and television, when you are acting, it's basically you are portraying real life under controlled circumstances. So if you understand your emotions and the reasons why your emotions react to certain ways like that. And if you can actually train yourself to have access to these emotions, then I think you'd be able to act. It's, it's, it's a lot of unlearning. What I love about entering a play or a film or taking on any role is that I have to remember it's not me. I would like to put my own spin on it, pero it's not me. So when you're trying to create a character, the first thing I do is go by opposites. So itong character nito, ganito, pero hindi naman ako ganyan. Okay, so that's one way of discovering what your character would do by knowing that you wouldn't do that as a person. So some people are better at it. That's because some people are just more in touch with their emotions or some people are just more transparent with their emotions. And then everything else is technical. Once you get in touch with your emotions and you have the creativity of creating an entire person, and it's a fun exercise. We do this all the time because, you know, like, for example, Ellie, um, the way I am, yeah, I'm Jamie. You know, I'm you. You see a, a a part of Jamie Wilson and on the rocks. You see another part of Jamie Wilson as a brother, as a friend, as a boyfriend, as a you know. I have multi, as as a as a technical director, as a safety officer. We all play different roles. We're not the same way with everybody we interact with and have relationships with. So basically, we're already acting to a certain capacity in our real lives. Now, we just have to train and get used to being able to do this on demand, on stage, or on the set. So I firmly believe that everybody is able to act. Just like everybody can sing. All it takes is a little training. We all sing in the shower. 
So everybody can sing. Some people can just sing better than others. But that's because they've trained their ear and they've trained their voice. So it's important that I think um, even if you have that innate ability, you have to keep on working on it. And that's my big fear during this pandemic. I haven't stepped on a stage as an actor throughout this entire pandemic. So when theater comes back, there's that big fear of, do I still know how to do this? <laughs> and that's, uh, that's the scary part. Uh, okay, Eagle. Any weird experience on the show? Lots of weird experiences, pare. My episode kami, like my episode kami, I think that was uh, one of the vinyl nights with Sila Jugs. I was on location in Cavite during a shoot and I was outdoors. And um, it was nighttime, syempre, gabi. And ang daming weirdness. May mga, may mga gumagalaw na silya. Wala man tao sa paligilaw ko. Gumagalaw na silya. May mga narinig ako sa sa paligid ko na wala naman doon. Tapos may mga echoes ng boses ko. Pero okay naman yung mic at saka headphone setup na biglang lumalabas. Minsan, um, I think uh, I think during an episode also in the, with the interviewing the Octaves, I seriously felt like there was somebody behind me the whole time. Pero walang tao doon. So yes, may mga weirdness na ganun. May mga weirdness din na technical difficulty, syempre. Minsan, uh, may mga guests ako na mahina yung mga internet connection namin. So, most of the show, we're like, oh, you're back. Oh, nag-hang ka. Oh, nag-freeze ka. Oh, ilutin natin. May mga experience na kung ako yung nawala sa show. And that's actually really quite funny kasi yung host mismo ang nawala. Buti na lang, <laughs> nakabalik ako kaagad. <laughs> so, thanks for that, Eagle. Lots of weird stuff happens on the show. But, you know, we're having fun. So, that's the whole point of it naman eh. Okay, so Robin Hood Cruz. Naksa Cruz, hindi Cruzo. Um, what has been your greatest accomplishment as a theater actor? Ah, My greatest accomplishment as a theater actor is that before the pandemic, I was still being able to do it. I was still able to do it. I was still being booked for shows. I was still, you know, um, enjoying the stage. I was still able to do what I love to do. That's the greatest achievement as a theater actor because it's very difficult. Um... We get paid the least in all the arts. Um, you know, when you appear on TV or in film, you'd certainly get paid more. We put in the most time also in terms of that's usually like a month or two of rehearsals. And we only get paid for the shows. So to actually commit yourself to uh, the theater industry, and I really hate that word, but there's no other word for it. To commit yourself to the theater industry and to keep on doing it you know, for 40 years, 41 years nata, I've been doing it. That alone is an achievement. Now, it hasn't always been, you know, good experiences with me in the theater. There was a time period where I have to admit that I took theater for granted. And I, you know, I wasn't prepared. I would come late. I'd, sometimes I'd be absent. Sometimes I'd show up like drunk. You know, I took it for granted because I was being given lead roles at the time. And eventually, I became so much of a headache that nobody wanted to work with me. So I wasn't getting casted. That was a good, like, three years. Na one play lang ako, tapos I'd have to fight for that play. Or, you know, it was very difficult to get cast. Simply because my reputation was, hey, Jamie's trouble. He's talented naman, pero trouble siya eh. You know? And eventually, when I figured out that 
you know, I could not live a life without theater. Then I had to fight my way back into the theater world. And I came from a place where binibigyan ako ng mga lead roles. I had to fight my way back from production, technical, tapos chorus, tapos supporting roles, hanggang nakabalik ako sa mga lead roles. Kaya nakakalungkot tong pandemic nito because I had shows booked all throughout 2020 and 2021. So I was supposed to be directing quite a few shows already. I had one book to, uh, I was directing the CCP, man. CCP, tangina, bucket list ko yun. Pero tumama yung pandemic eh. So, sana naman matuloy in the future. But my greatest achievement is still being in the industry. And the one of the biggest um, rewards that I've gotten, since I've been in the industry for so long, um, I've also managed to help other actors uh, improve and hone their craft help them with a the role. This is when I started uh, becoming an assistant director and eventually a director. I also taught acting workshops. Um, and it's a lot of it's a lot of fun. At the same time, it's extremely rewarding when the person you're helping gets acknowledged or gets nominated or wins an award or gets really, really good uh, reviews. And for me, that's a pat on my back because hey, at least I could, I could help that guy. And I never do it, you know, I've, ne- I've never been credited, nor do I want the credit because basically all I did was guide the person and he did all the hard work or she did all the hard work. So they deserve all the acclaim. But yung knowledge ko na, at least natulungan kita. That's a really, really huge reward as well. So thanks for that, Robin Hood. Oh, wow, Elia, you're busting out the tough questions. Do I believe in God? Yes, I believe in God. Yes, I believe in God. I believe in the higher power. Uh, if you're talking about the biblical God, um, you know, the guy who, you know, looks like Obi-Wan Kenobi, <laughs> essentially, um, I don't necessarily have a visual of that. I'm a, I'm, a big, um, I'm a big believer in the multitude of faiths and the different visual capacity that these beings can take on. I'm also a big fan of ancient aliens. So really, the gods could be just aliens, right? But if you're talking about God in a spiritual sense, yes, I do believe in a higher power. No matter what name you choose to call him or her, I do believe in a higher power because there, you know, I don't even have to go into scripture, into the Bible, or into my Buddhist faith, okay? Um, all I all I need is to cite examples from my life. I have, I have gotten into so many stupid fucking situations that I have been so lucky to have gotten out of. That I firmly believe that a higher power helped me get out of those sticky situations, and it guides me. You know, the higher power um, guides me every day. And sometimes, you know, we get so busy that we forget to connect that higher power sometimes you can get bogged down in the details and all you really have to do is look up in the sky look at the sunset look at the flower look at another person um you know helping somebody across the street uh look at the random acts of kindness being committed around the world um even in your daily life there are so many random acts of kindness when somebody opens the door for you that alone there it has to be coming from a place of goodness and I firmly believe that that goodness inside all of us is 
evidence of God, is evidence of a higher power. Um, I also believe that there's evidence of God in, you know, the terrible things that happen to us as well, like storms and calamities and disasters and death, because a higher power would not be clearly one-sided. It's like, you know, he's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. So that is beyond our human understanding. A lot of people have arguments of like, how can God exist and he permits death to happen? I'm like, yeah, well, maybe he permits death to happen so that we can relish and appreciate every single day we're alive. So that goes into that sense, you know. But yes, I do believe in God. I believe in a lot of gods. I'm Buddhist. <laughs> so thanks for that, Ali. Oh, heavy question, pare. All right. What is my top three? Okay, this is from Russell. Russell, what is my top three musical genres? Okay, classic rock. That's my bread and butter, man. I mean, on default, I will go into really good 70s, 80s rock. That's number one. Um, so if, I, if, if you need examples, um, I'm talking about... You know, The Doors, The Rolling Stones. Uh, I'm talking about, um, you know, Steppenwolf, uh, Rod Stewart. Rod Stewart before the 80s, all right, when he was uh, with his original band. I'm talking about Jimi Hendrix. I'm talking, you know, that era of, of classic rock, okay? Because now the kids think like Nirvana's classic rock. No, it's not. Not in my world, okay? I'm just older, I guess. Um, so that's my top... That's my number one musical genre because without a doubt, that's the first thing I'm going to be listening to on my playlist. Um, another musical genre that I really do enjoy would have to be, you know, um, the blues, like hardcore blues, like performers, um, like you have the BB Kings and then you have, you know, specific albums of Eric Clapton, it, generally blues based music. I absolutely love. But then that's very also close to the bands I mostly listen to in the classic rock genre. But I think it's deserving of its own genre. And then I have a third music genre classic category or classification that is defined by whatever mood I'm in. So I've got to say, you know, I've been listening to, I just before the show, I was listening to Propeller Heads. Um, take California, which is great. You know, sometimes Chemical Brothers. Sometimes, believe it or not, I will listen to fucking Justin Timberlake. Sometimes I will listen to Miles Davis. Uh, more often than not, these days, I have been listening to a lot of Elvis Presley. And in his 70s uh, era, the, the, the era of the 70s, you know, I've been listening to a lot of Elvis Presley. So it's whatever mood I'm in, that would be the genre that I um, will take to. Um and these are things that I put on my playlists. These are records that I might listen to. Um, and I'm a big 90s fan. But the thing about the 90s, like, you know, if you're talking about like Soundgarden and Nirvana, particularly Soundgarden, I love Soundgarden. Um, it takes me back to that specific era. Um, it, it locks me back into a memory. And it doesn't really move me forward. I like listening to the Doors and the Stones, right? Um, or, you know, like the classic rock bands that I wasn't born yet in that time. And I can imagine it and how I'd bring it forward. 
Um, I'm I'm a fan of the '90s, especially the grunge era. But it's not really in my top ten. I have to be, like I said, in a specific mood to listen to that. And more often than not, I would defer to my classic rock. So yeah, there's three musical genres. Of course, there's also musical theater, but I only generally listen to musical theater if I'm in the musical or learning the music to the musical. <clears throat> so that's not on heavy rotation for me. But thanks for that, Russell. Okay. Marv, how are my guests chosen? You know, I don't know. <laughs> Honestly, we just throw names out and we say, oh yeah, di ba parang fun siya? Di ba? Available ba siya? I basically, we've been choosing our guests depending on who I want to talk to and who I want to ask these questions to and I think who would be fun in the show or insightful in the show. There was that one month run we had when we had um, we had Leia Salonga, we had James Deacon, we had um, Ryan Kayabiab. And I was like, wow, we couldn't be more different, right? Like between the three of them. Um, and it's basically, I either invite uh, people I know, but it's also very interesting to speak to bands and artists that I don't know. So it really depends on the mix of the month where I try to put somebody that, oh, kilala ko to. And then ito, hindi ko kilala. Pero exciting yung music nila. So I discover their music. I play their music. Or I think they'd be very interesting to talk to. If I've known them for a long time or I've known of them for some time, then for me, it's interesting because I get to ask them the questions that I've always wanted to ask them. So there's no real formula, I guess. It's just parang who would be fun to talk to. Like, I highly enjoyed, like, in one month, we can talk to Razorback and then Christian Bautista. Like, what? You know? But I think they represent um, and they have stories to tell me and stories to share that would be quite interesting for all of us. So that's how I choose. Who'd be fun to talk to? So thanks, Mark. Hmm. Wow, we've got more questions. It's amazing. Okay, who is your inspiration for the character of Arturo Banlao from Ang Huling El Bimbo? Okay, so this is something that um, I have mentioned, um, I think in a couple of, I'm not sure if I've ever done this in an official interview, but for those of you who don't know, um, Arturo Banlao from Ang Huling El Bimbo was a very small character in the first draft of the play. Basically, I was only the commandant. So yung pagiging konsihal niya at pagiging, pagiging bad guy did not exist when we first sat down to read, to read the script. And eventually it was developed and workshopped when our director, Dexter Santos, said, no, Jamie, gawin kitang kontrabida. Sabi ko, paano? Eh, wala naman sa script eh. Hindi. I-workshop natin. So okay, sure. But Arturo Banlao was my tribute to my father if my father was evil. So I just did everything opposite of what my father um, has done. And if you don't know, my dad used to be vice mayor and counselor here in Makati. Uh, it was actually his clutch bag. It was my father's clutch bag that I was using for Arturo Banlao. And my father, and I'm very proud to say this, has never had a case against him. He was never uh, even suspected of corruption. He was still driving his round-type 1979 white Lancer uh, to the day he died. And um, we're not well off. We 
never enjoyed, um, you know, having millions like some politicians have today or even billions. And he's always been beloved of the people of Makati, by the people of Makati. And um, I basically used him as a peg, but then became the opposite of my father. So that was the inspiration for Arturo Banlao. So the way my father used to take care of his people, I flipped that on its head and I did the opposite where, you know, imbes nang tulungan kita, ililigpit kita. So, ganun yung, ganun yung attack for the role. And of course, it helped a lot with our writers also, si Ding Dong Navinario and eventually Floyd Quintos also helped develop my character um, along with our director, Dexter Santos. But it was... It that was the seed, to the point where you know I actually literally used his clutch bag that he used to use in the seventies and eighties. I had to dig that up, and that was my prop. Arturo Banlao's clutch bag was actually my dad's clutch bag, so I just did the evil version of my father. But thanks for that, thanks for that, Eldridge. All right, yes, Alec, thank you. Fun. Thank you, Eagle. Yep, yep. We're celebrating anniversary. You know, I was thinking. You know, we can, we could. I could have asked like a, quite a few guests here, um, to to come on tonight. We would have had a, like a small party and all that. But I was thinking, we're taking a break as if for October, and this is the one thing that I've always wanted to do is talk to the people who tune in. Um, it's usually I am just facilitating questions to, you know, for the guest from you guys to the guest. So I'm so um, I'm so thankful that you guys are online tonight and asking me questions, man. You got some really pretty good questions. Do you do I have any special skills that you can demonstrate for us? What do you mean special skills? Look, I'm smoking, I'm drinking, I'm talking. I've been talking for fifty minutes. <laughs> so if that's not a special skill, I don't know what is. So cheers to that, Robin. Robin Hood, sorry, Robin Hood. Yes, Miss Trunchbull was. Oh, see, I've neglected to say that. You know what? I what pisses me off about Miss Trunchbull. I played Miss Trunchbull in Matilda, the musical, where uh, Miss Trunchbull is the bully headmistress of uh, the school that Matilda was in, right? And what really annoyed me was that that was the first time I was in drag on stage, and I still had to play a pangit woman. Yeah, <sighs> maganda. But I highly, highly enjoyed. That role also. That was quite a memorable role because she was such a delicious uh, contrabida to play. I actually tried talking my way out of auditioning for that role um, and I didn't succeed. <laughs> so there. All right. John, John, John Pineda. A day in the life of Jamie Wilson. Um, wow, man. It depends on the day, dude. Um, like today, somehow I'm... I'm waking up really early. So I woke up at 5.30, had a cigarette, checked my phone. Uh, I'll just give you what I did today um, because for me, days are, days are different. Um, it depends on what my tasks are for the day. Um, today, I woke up very early, checked my phone, and then quickly realized that, you know what? I'm sick and tired of reading and scrolling through Facebook because it just takes me so much time. So um, I started, um, you know, picking up a book again. So I'm reading two books right now. I'm reading uh, the current Rolling Stones biography that I purchased a few months ago, which I haven't been able 
to finish because the early parts are very tedious. The writing style is medyo awkward eh. Um, but it's getting interesting, so I picked that up today. And then for my sci-fi fantasy fix, um, I started uh, rereading the uh, uh, God Emperor of Dune because I'm I'm just trying to immerse myself again in the world of Dune because I'm very excited to see um, this movie. Um, I'm a firm believer in taking a nap or siesta every day. So when I find a pocket of time, that's def- definitely included in a day in the life of Jamie Wilson. There has to be a nap or a siesta somewhere there. Um, and then, you know, it was just, I, would, I was watching a lot of like documentaries today as well. When, when my eyes got tired from reading documentaries to man. So I watched a documentary on Steven Spielberg, which is quite interesting. And Robin Williams, which was funny and sad at the same time. Um, if I'm if I have a shoot, uh, then my day is consumed by, you know, taking care of people's safety, managing people's safety, uh, making sure safety plans and protocols uh, are implemented, disinfecting, constantly reminding people to wear masks. It really depends on the day. I don't have a typical day, honestly. So um, there you go. Um, that's what uh, that's what the day in the life of you know. There's some days where I declare that I will do absolutely nothing, but I'm usually not successful in doing that. <laughs> but thanks for that. All right, next question, Robin Hood. Wow, Robin Hood. Okay, so Robin Hood, how do you like to encourage ideas in others? You know, everybody has their own voice, so we got to make sure. Um, you know. If we encu- if we encourage discussion, if we encourage collaboration, if we provide an atmosphere of that, um, then ideas can emerge. And then I firmly believe that the universe will back will back up good ideas. And if it's not a good idea, if it's not a good enough of an idea, it won't happen. But I will always ask for somebody's opinion and somebody's take on things because it goes back to theater. If you're in a room with, uh, if I'm a director and I'm in a room with 15 creative people, that's 15 creative minds. I shouldn't be doing all the work. I shouldn't, all the ideas shouldn't come from me because you have 15 other creative minds in the room. So I will elicit ideas um, from other people. Russell, what's my favorite Christmas song? It's from the Star Wars Christmas. What do you get a Wookiee for Christmas when he already has a comb? That's my favorite Christmas song. Describe my acting style. Um, My acting style, it varies, but basically what guides me is by any means necessary. So there, if, if a role requires for me to go method, as much as possible, I try not to, but then sometimes the role demands it. Um, I will go method or I will go into other schools of acting, but I don't subscribe to one school of acting. I like keeping my options open because every role is different. So for me, it's by any means necessary. <laughs> Whatever it takes, that's my acting style. <laughs> Okay, favorite Filipino thespian po. Chada, me pare. Sino, pa, sino yung one na paborito ko? The most underrated, I think. Okay, but I mean, he's fantastic. And he's fairly well-known. Noni Buen Camino. 
I have seen him on stage. I have acted with him on stage in my younger years. I'm dying to get back on stage with him. But this guy can do anything. And he has the intelligence, the wit, the creativity, and the, the thing, the, the gravitas. He can do anything, this guy. I love this guy. Noni Buen Camino. Look him up. All right. Eldridge. Who would you... <laughs> oh, my God. Who would win? Pare. The king. Of course, the king would win. The king always wins. Pare. That's Fernando Poo Jr. Can't go up against him, man. You know, Eldridge. That's the king. And that's the reason why he's the king. That's Fernando Poo Jr. So... He, he would win a cage match. All right. Um, in your opinion, this is from CM Bautista. In your opinion, can the music industry survive without live events? Um, it's very difficult. I've actually been in a few discussions today about that. And it's very difficult because essentially, um, essentially, concerts are a part of the program. Playing live is one of the passions of uh, not only musicians, but also of the fans, you know. And it's very important that uh, live events have to come back. Uh, it'll be different, though, because of the safety protocols. It'll be different because we're just emerging from this pandemic. It'll be a while before we clear, you know, everything from this pandemic. But then, you know, concerts are happening in other countries now. May mga music festivals na sila. Broadway is back. I mean, our friend Nino Mendoza, who... Um, who runs and owns the Misty Mountain Cafe, who's one of our sponsors, and he's a good friend of mine. He plays with the Blue Jean Junkies. Um, he is the Blue Jean Junkies. Um, he's in the U.S., and he's been going to small gigs, and he went to the Black Rose reunion. So it's very frustrating that, you know, it hasn't been a priority here because our pandemic response has been so slow. But in the U.S., concerts So... Perhaps the music industry can survive, but just survive. Why would you just want to just survive? I think it would be incomplete. I think it would be a, a big disservice to the, to the talent of our Filipino musicians, of our local musicians, um, if we just you know, kept the online events like what we're doing now. The live events industry has to come back, and we are working our asses off to... Make sure it comes back. All right. From Robin Hood Cruz, which area would you like to improve as an actor? My dancing skills because my dancing skills suck. I have 10 left feet. Um, thankfully, uh, I'm a good enough actor that I can fake my way through choreography. But honestly, you know, it's gotten to a point where I'm sick and tired of faking my way through choreography and I want to actually dance. So hopefully, you know, that'll happen. I'm, my brain is just not wired for dancing. <laughs> Three favorite Eraserhead songs. Um, wow. Uh, like asking asking me uh, my, my three favorite kids. You know, you know the best part about the Eraserhead songs? So there's Eraserhead songs I love. I love Fruitcake. And I don't know why, you know, I was trying to get it included in the Ang Hunling El Bimbo um, um, musical. I'm like, can we sing Fruitcake, please? Um, I love Fruitcake because it instantly puts you in a fucking groove and a mood. I love that. Um, I love um, Poor Man's Grave. It's fantastic. And I particularly love um, Spolarium. And that's 
that's just off the top of my head. I can name more, but really, but fruitcake has to be my number one. I love my fruitcake. All right. Ooh, we got a lot of questions, huh? Oh my God, we've been going for an hour. All right, um, Alec, uh, sinong real life person ang gusto mong portray in a movie or in the stage? Oh my God, like, you know, it's so hard to portray an actual person because it's, you have to get it right, but at the same time, you have to also put certain um, creative liberties because it's it has to be, you know, um, staged. It has to be theatrical, but I would love to portray um, if there was a a play or a musical based or a film um, on Marlon Brando. I'd love to do that. Um, I would love to also portray. Um, I'm thinking either. <sighs> either Picasso or Gustav Klimt as artists, tortured artists. If I were to portray uh, a writer, I would love to portray Jack Kerouac because that would be one hell of a fun movie to do if I was portraying him. Um, but portraying a real-life person is so tricky because the pressure to get it right and at the same time, the pressure to take you know, artistic license should also be present and... Ugh, Anyway, that's difficult. But if the project comes up, I'm your man. Okay. Uh, anong reaction ko? Sa tweet ni Sir Ellie. Hindi. Okay. So a lot of people are reacting to the reunion ng Eraserheads. Pinag-usapan na namin yan sa episode ni Ellie. Eh. Kung mag- mag- magkakaroon pa ng reunion, he gets that question all the time. Yung reaction ko is kung tumakbo si Lenny. Parang mas importante yon guys. Kung tumakbo si Lenny. Di ba? Kasi ako, may mga kaibigan akong 8 hours pumila para bumoto. Ako, 5 and a half hours pumila ako para mag-register to vote. Tapos kung ito lang yung kandidato natin, parang I'm sick and tired of having to settle for the lesser evil. So yung tweet ni Ellie, hindi yung reunion yung nakita ko eh. Kung tumakbo si Lenny. Yan yung nakita ko. At ano yung reaction ko? Game. Alright. Thank you, Eddie. Alright, Sherwin. How do you handle stress in a time of pandemic? Dude, I eat. <laughs> I eat. I'm an emotional eater. So, that's what I do. I eat. And I sleep. If things are getting too stressful... Asleep. But then, you know, the more creative ways is I've gone back to drawing. I've gone back to writing, journaling. Um, basically, I have to let it out or I have this kind of show, right? Or I listen to music and I sing along. So that's, that's you know, there are many ways to alleviate my stress. But primarily, my first instinct is to eat something. And that's to eat something sweet. Pa. There. John John, bloopers on stage. Too many to mention, but I'll tell you one. Um, there was one, or at least it wasn't a todo blooper, um, but it was an almost blooper. In the scene in Ang Huling El Bimbo the Musical, during the climax, and we were all singing Spolarium, my character, Banlao, walks on stage and is supposed to point a gun at Joy, the older Joy, then being played by Mencho Lauchenko Yulo. And nung dumaan ako sa kurtina, nagpa-brush yung, I brushed, 
the curtain a little bit on on upon going out on stage. And then nagbibilang ako kasi yung arreglo ni Mike Salomon medyo tricky eh. Yung hindi siya normal na bilang. So nagbibilang ako in my head kasi tricky yung pasok ko. Tapos nagbibilang ako silently in my head as I was walking to Mancho, malapad yung resorts road, di ba? Tangina, I felt like sneezing. As in yung parang may dust ata sa kortina na pumasok sa ilong ko tapos tangina, kailangan ko umatsing. Pero baka masira yung eksena kung umatsing ako or if I sneeze on Menchu Lauchenko Yulo, the queen of Philippine fucking theater, patay. Diba? I will never work in this town again. So thankfully, nalunok ko yung sneeze ko at pumasok ako with my song. Thankfully, that happened. But there are a lot of other bloopers that I can mention, but I think that's the most recent one na almost blooper. I was terrified. Terrified. Shit. Kasi... You know, that's a sneeze. How do you stop a sneeze? Thankfully, I could so sw- I swallowed it right on time. All right, thanks, John. John, John, John. All right, what do you love most about being on bands? Wow, gigs. You know, it's always fun singing, Alec. Um, it's always so much fun when I get called up to jam, uh, do a song with friends of mine, whether it's the jerks or Razorback or June. Um and when I'm playing with the Blue Rats also, it's it's just so much fun because I am able to express myself. I'm an actor. I'm a theater actor. So my job description is to be somebody else. When I get up on stage um, with a band and I'm singing a song, I am literally free to be myself on that stage or any version of myself that I want to be. So uh, that's a lot of fun. Quentong gigs. Wow. Um, you know, the one thing I have to watch out for in gigs is, you know, as a singer, you have to sort of preserve your voice and you sort of have to remember your lyrics. There are there have been gigs where I've gotten so drunk that actually in one Blue Rats gig, and I've never said this in public before, there's in one Blue Rats gig, I got so drunk that I, I really felt like throwing up on stage. Like it was it was here now. It was here now. Okay, my vomit was up to my throat already. So I sang the last verse before the guitar solo. And once the guitar solo kicked in, I casually, you know, stepped off the stage, went to the banyo, threw up, went back to the stage right in time for the last verse and chorus. And nobody knew what happened. <laughs> so, yeah, some amazing things can happen that you never think of, uh, you know, that are actually possible. Okay, uh, next question. Renz. Renz. Okay, guys, you know, this is Renz. He has been making our posters. I love this guy. He's a sweetheart. Um, and he's here. What's my favorite color? Black. It's the presence of all colors. I love black simply because, you know, I think I can't get away with loud colors. And I've gotten so used to the palette of a black T-shirt or black pants. Um, and black, black, black's the color, man. Or Renzolet, who's my favorite guest on On The Rocks? You know what? Okay, I have to say this, and I'm sorry. Um, I've had a lot of really great guests, but I was actually so happy last week when we finally got Audrey on the show. I was so happy. And it was so nice to have her answering the 10 questions, it was so nice to have her, you know, on the screen with me. 
And that's, uh, you know, instead of her being backstage running. So, Audrey, you're my favorite guest. I was so happy I finally got you on the show. So, yun. Okay. Um, from Marv, any plans or possibility of having artists from rival labels? Yeah, man. We've had, like, lots of, lots of artists from different labels, man. It's just this month we're focusing on Offshore because we're leading up to the five-year anniversary. Um, but I've had tons of artists um, that are not... Um, Offshore. So, yeah, uh, definitely. We're open to talking to anybody. All right. Um, it's it's really, that was our initial um, deal. You know, when we put on this show, I want to talk to interesting people. And also, at the same time, I love the fact that we can feature interesting musicians and interesting artists. And also bring the labels, right, together and solidify this as a sort of community because they are a community. It's not right. It, it, they're not rivals. You know, you're talking about, like, sales. You're talking about, like, you know, promotions and, and you know, the system of business. That's none of my business. I would like to talk to um, people who are interesting, artists who are interesting, uh, whose music I find interesting. And that's basically what um, I'm going to be focusing on. So thanks. Oh, so Chino. Chino. Poor China. Okay, so Chino's question. If you were given a chance to interview your dad, what would you ask him? And why? Not less than 500 words, double space. We're talking about it. If I were to interview my father, well, I probably wouldn't be smoking while I'm interviewing him, but what would I ask him? I would ask him why he made the choices that he made. Um, why, why could he? Uh, why could he never? Um, why could he never really truly balance the uh, showbiz world and his political world? Um, he tried his best to balance that, and somehow, even if he absolutely loved. Um, being an actor and being an artista, right, to a certain degree, um, he could not take away the idea of public service from his, um, his, his personality or his being. So that's quite interesting for me because um, it's not something that I would ever want to do. So for me, that, that, that idea is alien. I mean, imagine me running for mayor and me, putting me in charge of a city. I wouldn't know what the fuck to do, right? I'd probably screw it up. But that's one of the things that I would ask him. Um, and I'm sure many, many other things if I had the opportunity to interview my dad. But um, the question is, Chino, would I be careful interviewing my father if he were alive today and um, if it were like if he was on my show? Would I be worried about the consequences? <laughs> I don't think so. I think we'd get along better now. Sip ka muna. Nga, tama. Dami questions eh, guys. But thanks for this, huh? So much fun. Ay. Oh, from Alec. Icebreaker ideas. You know, it's really about like trying to figure out, um, digging deeper, uh, asking questions that they're not expecting. When you ask questions that uh, are, you know, the typical questions, which I really try to stay away from, or I try to reword them in another way, um, it becomes more interesting to them and they're forced to think and they're forced to react. 
or sometimes I ask them a completely left field question uh, to keep them on their toes or to snap them out of their monosyllabic um, answers. Thankfully, I don't think we've had a guest that has remained um, monosyllabic. Uh, I don't have a specific icebreaker to do. I just somehow figure out by talking to them, reading their body language, um, I figure out how to get more out of them, I think. What sort of acting roles will you be seeking in the future? Any, man. Any fucking role. I'd love to do a fucking play. <laughs> it's been too long, pare. But, you know, it's it's interesting. You know, kung contrabida, kung hindi contrabida, um, I think the more challenging, the better. But right now, beggars can't be choosers, man. So, you know, any musical or any play that's going to be mounted the first, you know, as soon as we're allowed to, I'm there. I don't give a shit what the role is. But walk-on role, I don't care. You know, I'll take it on. Do I eat healthy? No. No, Russell, I'm a complete carnivore. I do not eat my vegetables. I only smoke my vegetables. Um, I, um, I eat a lot of sweets. So, no, I don't eat healthy. But somehow, uh, since my last um, medical checkup, I'm okay. Go figure. All right. What attracted you to begin a career as a theater actor? We fell into it. My father's an actor. Uh, and then uh, my family went to watch Annie for Repertory Philippines. And then after that, we got put into the summer workshop of Repertory Philippines. And then after that, I did my first play and I got bit by the bug. So I never really thought of it as a career. I thought of it as something I'd love to do. So um, a career is different. You're looking forward. You're, you have a plan. You know, I didn't I didn't start doing that until like a few years ago lang. So that's what I love. Okay. Wala bang reunion mga MTV VJ? Uh, I don't know. Although I'm I'm in touch with my case. Um, not so much, but I think we've all moved on from MTV. Um, but I'm very proud to belong to, or to have belonged to MTV um, back when they were still playing music before they became a reality TV show channel. But no, no plans. No plans for a reunion. Okay, guilty pleasure food, anything sweet. Anything sweet. Cheesecake, I'd kill for cheesecake. Yo, Axie, what's up? Yo, what's up? What's up, brother? Hope you're doing good. Okay, Goldie, yes. If you could be only be remembered for one thing after you leave this world, what would that be and why? I want to be remembered for being... For being a guy you like to have around in any capacity, whether it be to give you insight, advice, something stupid to laugh about, um, a shoulder to cry on, a hand to hold, a reason to smile. I would like to remember as, you know, yeah, you know, Jamie was always good to have around. And I think I'd be happy with that. I think I'd be happy with that. Hmm. <laughs> what a journey. Yes, Alec. What a journey. I can't believe it's been a year, right? This is crazy. Oh, I love you too, Rans. Okay. Well, actually, what's up? Well, this is up, man. This is this is this is this is the show tonight. Uh our last show um until November. We're taking a break for October. And I thought I would just really love to like do a shout out, um, ask me anything show. So Looks like I'm the guest. <laughs> I thought that Ang Huling El Bimbo is a subtle allegory reflection of how shitty our society and government is, but also there's redemption at the end. By the way, nice react to Ellie's tweet. 
dude. You know, that's what uh, the social relevance of uh, the input of Dexter Santos and the whole creative team wanted to reflect is our society. And somehow we have to fight for our own redemption. And we have to figure out a way that even no matter how difficult life gets, we got to figure out how to bounce back. And if you have made mistakes along the way, you know, hopefully you will be forgiven for them or you will find redemption somehow. All right. Uh, yes, Goldie. Black is the absence of color. Really? I didn't know that. Oh, I got it. I got it. But it White seems to be the absence of all color. I don't know. I don't know. You're smarter than me, Goldie. So I, I'm not going to argue. I'm smart that way. Okay. Um, any foreign guest bands you've been wanting to bring to the show? Wait till November because, you know, that's what we're going to try to do. All right. Um, you Hefner or Larry Flint? Pare Larry Flint. <laughs> More bang for your buck in terms of the magazine. Uh, alcohol of choice, bourbon. Bourbon, man. Bourbon. Favorite Razorback song? Ah, nakatulo sa'yo. Off the top of my head. Pwede lang lunatic. Okay. Who is someone that if you were to interview that person, you would totally get starstruck and tongue-tied? I don't know. I think Oprah. If I were to interview Oprah, I think I'd be like fangirling over Oprah. I love her. She's amazing. Um, I can't think of any other like big name or celebrity um, that I would think of. Although I don't know how I would react if I could if I had to interview my father, like what Chino said. If I had to interview my dad, I'd be like, "What do I ask you?" <laughs> Skirting the uh, fine line between professional and personal, right? Eighties um, or nineties favorite TV show. <clears throat> I'm a big fan of the old A-team, Equalizer, The Professionals. Um, tap, i-add rin natin dyan sa Atreus Company. Um, ano ba yung mga TV show sa 90s? Hindi ako masyado nanood ng TV sa 90s eh. Wala ata kami TV nun eh. <laughs> Music na full time. So yeah, those are the... Okay. Um, what Badui song do you like listening to? Now you don't want other people to know. Chino, ikaw talaga pare. Okay. Teenage Dream. Katy Perry. When I hear that, I get into a completely different mood. But that's not something I like to publicize. But too late now. <laughs> Most favorite late night host, except Jojo Alihar. You know, I love I love late night hosts, but then I I tend not to watch um the local ones. Um I love I love Letterman, David Letterman in his prime. I enjoy Graham Norton um because of that British sense of humor. Um favorite late night host, me. Ha! Kapal. Oi, next. <laughs> what would it take for you to give up smoking? An act of God. Thank you, Richie. Next. Okay. Uh, seven significant words of consciousness. Dude, what? What? Is that a question? Can you rephrase that? What's my happy place? Um, whenever I'm with um, my significant other, that's my happy place. 
whenever I'm with my Goldie, that's my happy place. MCU or DCU? Sorry, MCU. Um, and I've always been more of a Marvel person. If you look at my comic collection, I've had, I actually have more Marvel. Um, I'm an X-Men kid. So that's what I was uh, weaned on in comic books, X-Men, New Mutants. Um, and then I followed, you know, uh, specific artists. Um, I've always loved Batman, but it depends on who was drawing him and who was writing him. Uh, I loved the, the way they depowered Superman when John Byrne um, took over his origin story. But if, it's, if you're talking about the cinematic universe, Marvel's got their shit together. So, yeah, that's my answer. Okay, Che Guevara. <laughs> dream car. What's my dream car? I don't drive. So, uh, I would have to say my dream car would be the DeLorean time machine in Back to the Future. I would like to have that because, who oh, I'd have so much fun with that. Che Guevara or Fidel Castro? <laughs> Dude, that's like, why? You're talking about revolutionaries? It's so weird. Favorite person you've ever interviewed? Part two. Is there anyone you've interviewed that in hindsight you would have handled that interview differently? Oh, man, yeah. Okay. Favorite person I've ever interviewed on the show directly? You know, has to be June. June Lupito. Because it was so meaningful. Not only was that our first show, but I hadn't, I hadn't spoken to June in a while. You know? And it was really nice to to have a sit down with him, even if it was, you know, for the show even, and actually have so much fun going through all his stories and also somehow being part of a few segments in his story. So that was so much fun. Uh, your part two, is there anyone I've interviewed that in hindsight you would have handled that interview differently? Um, yes. Uh, I had a chance to handle uh, Anna Mori recently with her own sl slot in the show because in the beginning it was very difficult to get a grip on her but then when I started working with her um, and got to know her a bit better off the show I think that informed um, our our rapport within the show um, when I was interviewing her um, I would have handled um, oh quite a number actually this happens to me after every show I think of like oh I should have asked that question or you know what I should have been you know, paying more attention, or I should have been listening closer to this person. So I actually do that um, for pretty much every guest. All right, next. What songs have you completely memorized? Um, absolutely all the songs of the entire catalog of The Doors with Jim Morrison. So when we, we, we were doing a Doors tribute night with Vin Dancel and Periodico in 70s Bistro, um, he asked me what three songs I'd like to sing. So I chose my three songs. And then uh, there were, during rehearsals, he'd be like, Parang Jamie, hindi ko kaya kantahin to eh. Kaya mo bang kantahin to? Yes. Ito, yes. Ito, yes. So I don't remember what I had for lunch yesterday, but I have memorized um all the songs at the doors with Jim Morrison. Okay. Um, next, name seven words expressing personal consciousness. Wow. Uh, awareness, choice, uh, opinion, belief. Balls. 
guts. Those are two different things. Huh? Balls and guts are two different things. And I would say compassion. That would that would basically sum up the root of my consciousness. There. Bigata. Okay, Alec. Um <laughs> what am I gonna ask for from Santa Claus? Uh my god. Um, please, world peace, by the way, or is that just so, uh, so, uh, beauty, beauty contestant, um, what gift would I ask? I would please, please take this virus away. Okay. Um, that's, that's what I would ask. The cure or the semis? The cure. The cure. I'm a big fan of the cure. Tinalik ko lahat ng album nila kasi nag-iipon ako ng allowance ko, pumunta ako Unimart. Kasi sa grocery nila, kompleto. Kompleto mga album nila sa Unimart. Pali, nakakaset. So, kinompleto ko yung The Cure. Uh, what? Really? Fuck, Mary killed Disney princesses. Who would I, which Disney princess would I fuck? Who did I always find sexy? My automatic answer would be Ariel from Little Mermaid because she's a redhead. I'm impartial to redheads, but she's kind of annoying. Um, but anyway, okay, fine. Uh, who would I marry? Disney princess? Ugh. Uh, uh, um, Jesus. Uh, off the top of my head, Pocahontas. <laughs> Why? I have no idea. Um, who would I kill? The rest of them. <laughs> because, you know, they're great, strong princesses, but they're also very annoying. Okay. Um, future plans for the show. Wait till November. Wait till November, guys. We're taking a break for October. And wait till November. Um, what's your main takeaway from a year in On the Rocks? You know what amazes me the most is that how diverse, how beautifully diverse musical tastes are. How amazing... Um, how amazing artists have so many, so many other artists that they admire and listen to. How the world of music is so much bigger than I thought it was. And how at the end of the day, even the most brilliant artist, even the most accomplished artist, or even the ones just starting out, they all have that common denominator of that passion for making, creating, or playing music. And it's just been reinforced. Their love for music has just been reinforced um, with every show that I've done, every time I ask them um, these questions. It's the most amazing, amazing thing to find out exactly how much music there is out there. And that in my lifetime, I highly doubt if I'll be able to listen to it all. <laughs> but I'll try. All right. So I think that concludes our Q&A. Thank you so much. Some really awesome fucking questions, man. Uh, and that's great. Uh, we're going to go into the rundown now. So I'm going to be answering my own 10 questions. And let's see how difficult that's going to be. Because, you know, I haven't thought about it. I haven't prepared for this. So off the top of my head, I'm going to be answering my first question. Let's go with the first question. And what would be... What's the first question, Arj? 
So what would be? Wait, I have it. See, I have it here. I have it on my Código, guys. I have it on my Código. Okay. What is my absolute favorite song in the whole world? So what? So what's my absolute favorite song in the whole world? Um, that what favorite song to listen to? Favorite song to sing? Uh, right now, my absolute favorite song in the whole world right now is uh, a song by Elvis Presley. I just can't help believing that that just love it. That's been on repeat. Okay, number two, who is my favorite local artist or group? Razorback. Razorback. Hands down. I love those guys. What turns me on? Um, what turns me on? A challenge. I love challenges. I love missions. I love being given a goal, almost an impossible goal. Um, and... I love attacking it. So that turns me on. That inspires me. That gets me off my ass. So give me a challenge. Um, okay, next question. What turns me off? What turns me off um, are people with really high-pitched, whiny voices. Because I don't care how pretty you are, I'm just going to walk away from you. Because it's just, I'm, you know, to, to a certain level, I'm auditory. So if you have a really annoying voice, Ah, that just gets my goat. That's a big turn off for me. Uh, what song is currently on repeat for me is the same song, same answer for number one. That's just can't just can't help believing. Elvis Presley, man. I've been on an Elvis kick lately. It's fantastic. So that's that's that song is currently on repeat. I'll even show you my phone if you want. It's on repeat. Uh, what is my favorite word? My favorite word is yes. Yes. Um, I hate hearing the word no. Sometimes I've had to say the word no. But a few years ago, I made a decision to anything that comes my way, I'm going to say yes to it. And then you learn. You learn how to manage things that are coming your way. But I like the word yes. Because it's inclusive. It's open. It's welcoming. So I like the word yes. Uh, what drives me crazy bad? Oh, uh, I'm very impatient. So standing in line drives me crazy. Standing in line is the surest way where I automatically have to tell myself, okay, manage your temper, manage your temper. Standing in line is the most annoying thing in the world for me. One of the most annoying things in the world for me. Okay, number eight. Uh, what's my guilty pleasure? Guilty pleasure? Mmm, cheesecake. I love cheesecake. Cheesecake just gives me, you know, joy. Um, and it's, I can't eat it every day. Um, it's not an everyday thing, but there are days where if I feel particularly bad, I'm going to hunt down a good cheesecake. Um, okay, next. If I could collaborate with any artist, living or dead, who would that be? Jesus, this is a hard one. Fuck, who would that, who would that be? Um... I could collaborate with any artist, living or dead. I would love to collaborate with Prince. I think Prince, you know, just the whole idea of how he just jams. 
I love that whole idea. It's not super structured. Um, I have watched um, some documentaries of his, uh, not not just because he's brilliant, right? But then I think if we collaborated on a song together, I think it would be great because I can take the low register and he can take the higher register with a killer falsetto of his, and I think it would be a killer fucking sexy song. So Prince, yes. Okay, when I get to heaven, if I get to heaven, what do you want God to say to you? I want God to say, yes, Jamie, you are on the list. You can come in. Uh, I had my doubts, but you're here, and somehow you made it through the selection process. No, you know, I would just think, basically, you know, I just want I want God to say welcome. And give me a hug, and then show me where the bar is. <laughs> Okay, what words of wisdom or advice? You know, I'm I would love to I would love to requote Civinci when he said my advice is don't take my advice, you know. Um, but basically if you're gonna pursue an artistic endeavor, uh do it for the right reasons. Stick to it. Do it because you love it, do it because it's fun, do it because it's fun, even if it's challenging, even if it's hard, even if it's difficult, even if you know and you're fully aware that you're not going to make a lot of money. Don't do it for the money. Do it because you have to do it. And do something that inspires you. Don't worry about what other people will think um, because this is your voice. And when you come out with it or when you do your thing, um, only then will it be judged or welcomed or lambasted by the people, right? But if the right people believe in you, kahit na konti lang, that's enough. So yeah, that's my advice. Uh, last call. What's our last call? What's next for On The Rocks? Oi, really? I actually wrote that. I keep on saying wait till November. But guys, we're hoping to have a creative upgrade. We're working towards getting more interesting guests. We are um, hoping to add a uh, music element into the show. We are certainly going to change up um, the line of questioning. Uh, I personally would like to delve deeper into uh, my line of questioning, deeper into my research, and at the same time, balancing it with the fun. So... We're going to take the month of October to figure out how the fuck I'm going to do that. <laughs> how the fuck are we going to do that? You know, because it's not just me. Quite a few people um, uh, who are running the show with me. So we're going to get together and put our creative minds together and then figure out what we're going to do and see what happens. And I think that's the most exciting thing. We don't know if it's going to work. But it sure would be fun to try. So, Yeah. That's it, guys. So thank you for tuning in to On The Rocks. Uh, you know, okay, sorry. I'll take one more question from Gold. What part of your show do you have the most fun with? The most fun part of my show is when I'm not talking anymore and I'm just laughing. Because, you know, the cuentos of my guests, the artists uh, who are sharing their their um, ups and downs or their funny stories. I mean, that's I have so much, so much fun with that. And of course, you know, getting to know them with the ten questions or the rundown is always interesting. But I must say, the most fun I've had is when I just can't even talk because I'm laughing too much. I think that's really based 
and that's through the artists that are sharing their cuentos with us. So, um, yeah, that's it, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in to Under Rocks. We're going to see you in November. So um, stay tuned. And uh, before we go, here's a few announcements from Offshore Music. Be the Canva, the makeup challenge. Offshore artist Enamori launched a campaign where an artist can take over her Spotify Canva for a week for exciting surprise merchandise to showcase her talent. She's looking for a makeup artist that can create an original, unique look inspired by her latest single, Oh, Bleeding Hearts. For details, check out the Offshore and Enamori's Instagram bio. So make sure to hop on that. Thank you so much to our friends from Buenos Dias, Panaderia, and the Misty Mountain Cafe. Milo Buns, Espresso Buns, and Premium Blend Coffee are the best, man. And, of course, Liquor.ph. Thank you so much, Frank. You've been a big support. And uh, just a few announcements from Liquor.ph. It's the last 24 hours before the Bourbon Heritage deals are done at Liquor.ph. You can still get great discounts of up to 30% off on different well-known American liquor brands, such as Elijah Craig, Straight Bourbon, Tito's Handmade Vodka, which is delicious, by the way, and the cult-like whiskey in mellow corn. Get it before time runs out and don't be fooled by other websites, man. This is exclusively distributed by Liquor.ph. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in tonight. Thank you so much for giving me um, some amazing questions. And thank you for sticking with us. It's been a year, guys. 44 episodes, and we wouldn't be here if it weren't for you guys. So, really, from me and from the team behind it, you know, we'd like to thank you guys for tuning in and um, for always supporting us. So, stay tuned because we're going to be back uh even back live what liver and louder and stronger <laughs> in november so guys thanks for tuning in i'm jamie wilson reminding you to please 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 stay safe out there stay strong and stay sane and keep on rocking and keep on rolling and if all else fails just let the music keep you going and if you find that life has gotten you shaken up or stirred or mixed up or even on the rocks what matters most is that you take your shot Thank you very much. Happy anniversary to us. Good night. On the Rocks with Jamie Wilson is brought to you by Offshore Music. Go where the sound takes you.